Hillsboro. Hey, good morning, folks. Woo, we got some good singing in, huh? Wow, that was fantastic. Got to learn a new song, man. I love that. I really do. Hey, uh, thank you for flexing with us. Um, you know, we're trying, we are trying to learn some new things and uh, experiment a little bit. And we don't have everything down. Um, you know, we're, we're experimenting with, with some different sets with lights and, and um, we don't have it all figured out. And you'll probably see it'll change over the next number of weeks and months. But uh, thank you for flexing with all of that. Uh, we really do appreciate it as we really try to think about um, meaningful opportunities of worship together. And we, um, we're just going to... We're just going to keep swinging the bat and just trying to worship Jesus together. So we really appreciate that. Welcome to our new series on connecting with God. And there will be um, a number of things that we are going to work through in the next four weeks together. Um, but there's a reason why we titled this Connecting with God. There were so many titles that we worked through, but you're going to see why we called it Connecting with God. But speaking of connecting with God, <clears throat> uh, we host a bookstore and resource center in our lobby and foyer. In fact, it's just across the hall over here. In the, um, It's called the Welcome Center. And we source devotionals, for adults and teens and childrens, uh, we have Bibles and current books and Bible study materials. And our passion here at East Bay Calvary, we just want to connect people with God. We want to help people take their next step with Jesus Christ. And whatever we can do to help you take your next step forward, that's what we want to do. And maybe there's some things in our bookstore and resource center that can help you with that. And if so, why don't you go ahead after today's service and pop over there and see if there's some things that can be of encouragement uh, for that with some of those materials. We want to do whatever we can to help you take that next step forward with God. So today, go ahead and grab your East Bay Weekly, which is a little bit longer than normal, and flip it over to the back. We're going to work through this study guide together. And then take your copy of the scriptures and turn, if you would, to the New Testament book of Hebrews in chapter 9. I'll give you a jump start to Hebrews in chapter 9. <clears throat> it's almost to the very end of your copy of the scriptures in the New Testament. Hebrews in chapter 9 <clears throat> We're going to be taking first a step back and a look back at Old Testament worship, and then we're going to take a look at now and our connecting with God. Now, thousands of years ago, I want to give you a picture of what worship looked like back then. Thousands of years ago, when worship first began in the Old Testament times, the worship center looked a whole lot different. Their lights were a lot different. The smell was a lot different. The whole ambiance was a lot different. I think you would appreciate what we do right now a lot more than back then. Here's a little picture of what the Old Testament tabernacle looked like back then. In the Old Testament, there, it was more of a tent kind of a format 
there were daily sacrifices going on inside the outer tent. And these had to be because people understood there was something separating them from God. There was a sin issue and people recognize it. And folks, here's the reality. We recognize there's something that separates us from God. There's a problem that's there. And in fact, whenever I talk to people personally and I ask them, where are you at? You know, do you know for sure if you're going to heaven? And a lot of people say, you know what, I hope so. And so I ask, why do you hope? Like, what's the problem? What's the connection? They say, well, you know, I've done a lot of things. Everyone recognizes, you know, there's something that's messed up between me and God. And even people all the way back then realized there's a problem there's something messed up between me and God, and somehow I need to get that fixed. And there was a sacrificial system that was in place that was to atone or show that a punishment had to be made for our sin. Someone had to pay for our sin. And daily these sacrifices would go on and on and on showing that somehow a punishment need to be made for our sin. But I want to point to one specific day that happened over the course of a year, and it was called the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, and here's what happened on that Day of Atonement. Do you see the big tent there in the middle of the tabernacle? In the large tent, there were two specific sections. And the main section inside there were where all the main priests could go. However, on the Day of Atonement, there was this back section of this inner portion of the tent. And I'm not sure if you're familiar, maybe you've heard of this innermost section of the tent. Have you heard of it before? If you have, say it with me. It's called the Holy of the Holy of Holies. Let me tell you about the Holy of Holies. One day a year on the Day of Atonement. Not just any priest could go in there, but only on one day a year could the high priest go in. One day a year. And on that one day a year, the presence of God would show on that one day a year. And he would have this personal connection with God. When he walked in, there were some specific things that happened in their attempt to atone for their sin. They would come with two goats, one would be called Azazel, and it symbolized Satan or our adversary, and on that goat would be symbolically placed the sin of the people, and it would be banished to the wilderness, hence our term, the scapegoat, and it would be banished to the wilderness with, with the sin of the people, and then the other sacrificial animal would symbolize the one from whom our redemption would come, which we now know is Jesus Christ, that one would be killed and sacrificed on the altar. The high priest would take the blood 
from that animal and would go into the Holy of Holies and would splatter the blood over the Ark of the Covenant and even to himself to symbolize, I need my sins forgiven and I am here to atone for the sins of the people of Israel on the Day of Atonement in the presence of God on one day a year. This was the centerpiece of the Day of Atonement. The high priest only was allowed. It was one day a year. It was in the most holy section of the entire tabernacle. I want to show you um, some biblical support for this. If you're in Hebrews chapter 9, I'm going to show you it on the screen as well. Verses 6 and 7, here's the discussion from the text about it. Let's just jump right into it. It says, when everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. It continues, but only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people had committed in ignorance. Interesting. Now follow down just a few more verses in chapter 9, verse 11. Here's where we're going with this, folks. So fasten your seatbelt. Verse 11, but when Christ came as a high priest. So this was all looking forward to something special. Remember, only the high priest could go in. Well, here comes this high priest, and it's Jesus but when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood. You hear what he's saying? Jesus is the high priest that went into the presence of God, the holy of holies, and he didn't go by the blood of calves and bulls, not by someone else's blood, but it was his own sacrifice. It was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ himself that he went to God on behalf of our sins. He says, he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So here's what it is. Plain, simple, and beautiful. Jesus is the perfect high priest. Only one person in all of Israel the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. Jesus is that perfect high priest that could go into the presence of God on our behalf. Not only is he the perfect high priest, he was the perfect sacrifice 
who could fully atone for our sin and fully satisfy God. And Hebrews 10 says it best. So if you're there in, in Hebrews, just flip over the page. Hebrews 10, 12 through 14. Check this out. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, you know who that is? It's Jesus. Say it with me. It's Jesus. When this priest had offered, catch this, for all time, one sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. This next sentence is about one of the best things I could read for you all day long. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Perfect forever, those who are being made holy. If you believe Jesus is the perfect high priest and the perfect sacrifice, he died satisfying God's wrath for your sin. Folks, here's the deal. You have been made perfect forever. Say it with me, perfect forever. You really believe it, don't you? Perfect forever. Come on, say it with me, perfect forever. It's true. Now look at the person next to you. It's a little bit even harder to say, isn't it? It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like marriage. On the day you're married, you are married. There's no degrees of marriage. It's kind of like, you know, we've only been married a day. You know what? You are married. It's not like we've been married 50 years. Wow, you're really married. No, you're married as much on day one as you are on day 50. Now, the deal is you really understand what marriage is all about on day 50 or year 50. Amen? Yeah. Some of you said that a little bit differently. <laughs> Positionally and status, folks, here's the deal. If we believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of our sin, he has made us positionally before the presence of God perfect forever. Can I get maybe an amen out of the congregation? It is true. He's made you perfect forever, but we're still being made holy. Status before God, he sees us as perfect. Reality down here, we're still being made in his image. Both realities are happening simultaneously. And here's the beauty of it in Hebrews 10, 18. He says, and where these have been forgiven, 
guess what? Forget the sacrifices for sin. It's not necessary anymore. And he's telling these to Jewish believers, you know what? Forget the sacrificial system. Those things don't do a thing for you because Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. One of my favorite songs from growing up, I love it, I love it, I love it. Goes like this, you sing it with me. Jesus paid it all. That's right, all to him I owe. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Sin had left a crimson. He washed it white as snow. He washed. He made you perfect forever by his death on the cross. He made it so that God sees you clean. Now I know down here we get dirty. We're still being made holy. We could never be that high priest that could just waltz into the holy of holies. But he's made it a little bit different. Now it's amazing to know that our sin is forgiven. But just think of all of those people that were outside in the tabernacle. Just think of all of those people that, that lingered out there and it was just the one high priest that went in. On behalf of everyone... He was the only one. He went in, everyone else was on the outside, and they're wondering, what's he doing in there? How's it going with him and God? How's this personal connection going? I wonder what's happening inside the tent with the high priest and God. Imagine all of the rest of the nation of Israel being in that situation, and only one person went in to connect with God. Well, I want to show us that because of what Jesus did, it has completely revolutionized our position with God. Look now at Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Here's how this whole thing develops. But when Jesus became the high priest and the sacrifice, notice verse 19 of chapter 10. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have, now catch this, no one would have done this. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Say what? Are you kidding me? I don't have confidence to enter the most holy place. That's only the high priest. And he says, you know what? Because of what Jesus did, he was our high priest. He cleaned us up perfect before God. You can go direct to God. You can enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. You're all cleaned up, my friend, if you believe in Jesus. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, Here's the phrase of all phrases. 
Let us draw near to God. Imagine them telling the whole nation of Israel there's an open house in the Holy of Holies. Everyone gets to go before the presence of God today. That is what Jesus Christ has done for us. Draw near to God. Imagine that for an Old Testament Israelite. Come on in. God wants to connect with you directly. Don't stand outside. You don't need someone else even to go in for you. You can go directly to God. And here's the big phrase. This needs to grab us and hold us. We have personal connection with God only because of Jesus Christ. We have personal connection with God only because of Jesus Christ. Think about it. We have personal connection with God only because of Jesus Christ. And this is why we sing about Jesus. Some people wonder, why do we do five songs before the message? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because we got something to sing about, folks. This is why we can't help but talk about Jesus. This is why we love Jesus. This is why this sermon series that I'm planning for 2020 is titled, you ready for this? Jesus! Isn't that original? This is why we give to him. This is why we tell others about him. This is why we learn about him. This is why we remember his death on the cross every month here. This is why we put petty things aside and focus on Jesus. Because without Jesus, we're on the outside. Looking in. Without Jesus, we're lost. Without Jesus, we're still uncertain about our sinful condition. We're still trying to work things out. But because of Jesus, we are made perfect forever totally accepted by God we have confidence to personally go into the holy of holies like the high priest did in the old testament tabernacle and temple and I know some people are thinking right now okay so where is this holy of holies where is this inner sanctum that I can connect with God personally because man I would love to do that that would be Great. I want to go there. In fact, if I knew where this inner sanctum, holy of holies is, I would go there every day. Bring it on. I want to give you two realities of our connection with God, and then we're going to finish up with um, some tremendous helps, steps toward nearness to God from Hebrews 10. So I want to give you two, two realities of our connection with God. We're going to be expounding on these over the next few weeks as we study together. So here's number one. You are never not in God's presence. Think about that. You are never not in God's presence. God is here. 
when you leave here, God is there. The beautiful truth in the New Testament, the dynamic change to the reality of the temple that we don't have time to discuss right now is the reality that you, the believer, is God's temple. God resides in the life of the believer. God is where the believer is. Now that is such a comforting thing. If you feel all alone, and there are times, man, you feel all by yourself, you think, does anyone see what I'm going through? Does anyone feel what I feel? Does anyone know what is going on in my life? And here's the beauty of it. I'm here to tell you, God sees what you're going through. He feels what you feel. He knows everything that touches your life. That is the beauty of the reality that we are the temple of God and God is with us he's residing in us you are never not in god's presence now on the other side i'm here to tell you it can also be a terrifying thing god knows everything that we're doing i know sometimes in my life if I shut the door, I think no one knows what I'm doing. God understands my motives. God realizes my thoughts. It can be a very challenging thing because God sees everything that's going on in my life and we are never not in God's presence and that's one reality of our connection with God but here's where we're going to be pushing this prayer is your personal connection to God prayer is your personal connection to God and here's where Hebrews is pushing and pushing you draw near you draw near to God they were distant, they were on the outside, and he says, you come close, you personally fellowship with, you connect directly with God. I want you to be close to God, and the question is, how do I draw close to God? Well, here's the beauty of it, the text gives us some very practical and personal ways that we draw close to God. So look at verse 22. And I want to give us three things as we finish up to think about steps toward nearness to God. And then I want to give you some ways that I personally have been thinking through these things here. And um, so notice these steps toward nearness to God. Here's number one. Notice verse 22 of chapter 10. So as we have worked through this already, he mentioned um, in verse 20. 
or verse 21, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near to God with a, notice, a sincere heart. And so there's going to be three things. There's sincerity, there's a sincere heart, and then there's with full assurance that faith brings. So then there's confidence, number two. And then there's having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And number three is purity. Sincerity, confidence, purity. Notice number one, steps toward nearness to God. Sincerity. Sincerity. I want to bust this word apart just for a moment. Sincerity, don't fake it. Don't be a phony with God. Don't hide our imperfections with God. Now, here's the truth. We can fool each other. We can fool our work people. You can fool your pastor. You can fool your kids. You can't really fool your spouse. You can fool yourself into thinking you fool your spouse. You can fool your friends. But let me tell you, of everyone you can't fool, guess who we can't fool? God. And it's amazing to think that we would go to God insincerely, thinking that he would be fooled? The text says, go to him with sincerity, genuinely. Not out of mere ritual, not out of mere rote, but understanding, being open, and not hiding anything from within, but truly being who we are, not being someone else. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just point out one of the best things that have blown out this whole thought of sincerity is listening to my kids pray. You ever hear kids pray? I'm going to tell you, one of the best prayers in my family, I don't know if he's in, oh, he is in the room, so he's going to hear me talk about him right now. Is my buddy Landon. My buddy Landon is my super prayer hero. And I love listening to Landon pray. And I'll tell you, um, we'll, we'll be sitting there praying, and, and he'll come out and he'll say, he'll say, God, thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for me. Man, that was so kind of him. I listen to that and I'm like, man, my prayers stink. <laughs> and then he says this. He goes, and God, I hope you have a good day. I'm like, oh. I'm sure God's in heaven like, Conover, you shut up, let the kid pray. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like, but. But I said propitiation. <laughs> I, 
you know, I said big theological words. You know, weren't you impressed, God? You know, and he's like, I already know those words. Just shut up. I love the kid, you know. You know, I'm not, we're talking to God. He wants us to draw near to him. I'm just going to open up with you. Sometimes, sometimes when I've prayed, I'm wondering, am I praying to talk to him or am I praying to impress the people around me? You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes I pop in the stuff thinking, hey, they'll like it if I use the word... Uh, Propitiation. Wow. He said that and he didn't even spit. You know. Of course, your eyes are supposed to be closed during prayer. Sometimes I'm wondering am I fooling myself when I pray? Because God knows if I'm really sincerely wanting to talk to him, to draw close to him, or is this an attempt to gain the appreciation of others with what I say? God just wants us to be sincere. And he knows, like, if... He knows our imperfections, and so to come up to him and, like, I've got it all together, God, you know, and he's like, no, you don't. But to come to him genuinely and say, God, here I am. You know me. You know my needs. And to be you. You don't even have to change your voice when you talk to God. You don't have to shift into King James English when you talk to God. You can be you because God wants you to draw near to him. Amen? Here's number two, confidence. Steps toward nearness to God. Sincere heart and then full assurance that faith brings confidence. And there's a couple ways this faith, it's assurance that faith brings. And there's two parts about this I believe that the author is getting at. There's not doubting his presence. You know, sometimes you can be praying and you're like, oh, am I really talking to someone? Yes, you are. Because by the work of Jesus Christ, who has gone on before you, and by his sacrifice on your behalf to clean us up, if we believe in Jesus' death on the cross, gang, you're talking to God. 
whether you feel it or not. And that last song that we sang, even though I can't feel it, you're working. This is, this is not a feeling thing. Oh, I just felt like God was far away. Well, let me just tell you, he's not far away. He's there. This is not a feeling issue. So do not doubt. Have confidence in his presence and to have confidence in his ability. And so if we're, if we're praying in regards to confession, to have confidence in his ability to cleanse me, to clean me, God, I'm asking your forgiveness. Oh, I don't feel clean. Well, you know what? His forgiveness is not an issue of your feeling. His forgiveness is an issue of reality. If Jesus died to forgive you and you have genuinely confessed to Jesus, to God, your sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's a fact. It's not up to your feeling. I don't feel forgiven. Well, you know what? Thankfully, God doesn't base things on our feelings. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. So have confidence in his presence. Have confidence in his ability to forgive. Have confidence in his ability to act on your behalf. And I'm just going to tell you, there was a time in my wife's and my life that we went through that we were praying. And I will tell you, if it was up to our feelings... God was doing nothing if it was up to our feelings. There was a time that we just felt like, are we talking to the ceiling? Because everything not only was going just neutral, it was like going the opposite direction from how we were praying. And at breakneck speed. And we're thinking, what is going on? Like, God, are you hearing anything of what we're saying? Like, who is up there? Is anything getting past the ceiling? And there's a, there's a point, like, our feelings were not connecting with this whole thing. And, I, and I'll tell you now, on the other side of it, we look back and our jaws just hit the ground. And we say, you know what? Oh, my. God, you are brilliant just like the song although i couldn't feel it wow he was working although i couldn't feel it he was still doing things and folks we need to align our confidence not with our feelings but with reality with our faith he is there and doing it and here's number three steps toward nearness to god sincerity be you, you draw near with God with sincerity. You draw near with God with confidence in his presence and his ability. And then number three, with purity. Come clean with God. There is so much Old Testament um, imagery here that we just can't even go through it all. But there's, it's beautiful. He says, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience having our bodies washed with pure water. There is so much Old Testament imagery. In fact, I've been, I've been talking to um, a Jewish believer 
who goes around and talks to churches and talks about the Day of Atonement and what they did. And, and maybe someday we can line up someone like that coming in and showing our ministry the symbolism of the Old Testament Day of Atonement and how it has come true in the person of Jesus from someone from that perspective. I think it would be really, really neat. But the whole idea here is come to God clean, come pure, realize who we're talking to. Whenever I think about this, I think of the the, um, account that Jesus gives of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And here the Pharisee came and he says, you know what, God, um, thank you that I am the way that I am. Thank you for all my good deeds. Thank you that I fast and that I give and that I do all of these great deeds and that I'm not like this tax collector over here. And the tax collector, the Bible says, was just pounding on his chest and just said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus told the guys, okay, which one of these two do you think went away accepted by God? And I think we know which one. The one who really owned up to his sinfulness. Come clean with God. Come clean with God. Purity. Steps toward nearness to God. Don't fake it. There's this sincerity of our lives. There's this confidence. No matter what we feel, it's reality. And then there's this purity. You know what? I'm talking to God. He knows my heart. Come clean. And, and, and come with a heart of humility saying, God, I, I just I want to be pure before you as I talk to you right now. One day in heaven, gang, one day in heaven, we are going to meet up with some Old Testament saints. And they will gawk with jaw to the ground of the privilege we have for this personal, anytime, anywhere, one-on-one direct connection with God. They had to wait on the Day of Atonement and God showed up in the Holy of Holies and one guy could go in for that personal encounter with God and they're going to say, what? You could go in anytime you want and connect with God personally? It's awesome. And and I just want to give us a few personal thoughts to help us make more of our opportunity in prayer so let me just give these to you making more of our prayer here's just a few things and with these we'll finish up making more of our prayer get these four things number one focus on the significance of the moment whenever it is whenever it is wherever it is focus on the significance of the moment just imagine We are talking to the God of the universe. Wow! We're talking to God. And he hears me. And whether it's in my car or in the shower, or around the table or with my family around a tombstone 
or if it's all of us together in here, or whether you're out in the woods by yourself, or with your child kneeling by your bed, focus on the significance of the moment. You are talking to God. Savor it. It's special. And it's been brought to you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to what we say. Really. I, I want you to think about what we say, and sincerity means be genuine, be you, and I, I just want to encourage you, I do the same thing, so I just want to toss this out there kindly. Let's avoid ruts. Stay fresh. If we talk to our spouse the way we talk to God, they would probably say, what? Why do you say the same thing all the time? Like, are you a broken record? Stay fresh. Don't always ask. You ever get that phone call from the person and you know every time you see their number, you're like, they want something. I'm not going to pick that up. Have you ever talked to God and not asked for something? But just told him, God, I love you. You're so good. I just can't believe what you've done for me. Look at what you've created. You're so good. Look at my family. I just wanted to tell you that. Think of what we say. Number three, evaluate your personal prayer chain. I grew up with a prayer chain where, you know, people call the next person, the next person calls the next person, and, and how it breaks down is just one person doesn't call the next one, and the rest of the chain doesn't get called. I want us to think about our personal prayer chain because the Bible says pray without ceasing. Like pray continually. Like let's link our prayers together throughout the day. Instead of like, well, I prayed Monday morning. Well, then I picked it up again on Wednesday evening. Well, then there's Friday afternoon. What kind of a chain is that? Let's have a strong prayer chain in our lives. When we get up in bed, before our feet hit the ground, and in the shower, and at the table, and on our way to work, at break, when we're dealing with a tough customer, or student, and on the way home, when we're with our kids or our grandparents or your grandkids or whatever it may be, just a strong link all the way through. Keep a good chain 
together, connecting with God on everything in your life. Because remember, you're never not in God's presence. And then here's number four, posture your heart toward God. There are some times, it's good, gang, get alone. Get alone with God. Avoid distractions. I'm going to tell you one of the best things you could do to help your prayer life. You see this guy? Turn it off. And get alone. Sometimes even um, turn on music. You realize prayers in the Bible... In the Psalms, they were songs. People sung prayers. Even your physical posture, sometimes if you get alone, even your physical posture, whether you're on your knees or whether you're bent or, or whatever it may be, but avoid distractions. And maybe you have a time that you can spend alone with God. But there's two prayers I want you to think about right now as we finish. Number one, there is a prayer that everyone in here must pray and should have prayed. And it's this. You need to believe and tell Jesus Christ, I believe that you are my high priest that went to God for me. And I believe you are my lamb that was sacrificed for my sin on my account so that I could have relationship and connection with God. That's one prayer everyone in this room needs to have prayed. And if you haven't, would you take this time right now and tell God, God, I know I'm a sinner. I need that connection with you and I believe it comes through Jesus that he died for my sin. Clean me up. Cleanse me. Make me perfect inside forever so I can have relationship with you and get that relationship started now. Now. Start that right now. That's the first prayer. That's the best prayer you'll ever pray in your entire life. Amen? It's true. That's where it all starts. It all starts with Jesus Christ. With what he did at the cross. And then would you stand with me for a moment? And here's the next thing. Because we all have those times in our lives... And some of you may be going through them right now. We need prayer. We need that way maker. We need that healer. We need that promise keeper. We need that light. We need the restorer. We need the path. We need the forgiver. I mean, this is the reality of it, folks. 
Prayer isn't just an empty discussion that we just throw out there, but we have needs, folks, and God has given us that direct connection to Him, the one who can do it for us. And that is the very privilege that we have to come and say, God, I need this. In sincerity, I'm begging. I need this right now. That is the one that we need to come to. That's who he is. This is who we need to connect with, and we have that privilege. I'm not here to guilt you into prayer. There's no need to guilt us into prayer. I'm here to say, praise God we have prayer. Praise God we can connect with him because of who he is. We have this personal forever connection to God, and I'm just saying, hey, let's make the most of it because of who he is. Let's make the most of it because of who he is. Let's sing it together. Thank you that we can talk to you. Our needs are great, and in and of ourselves, our resources are low. And because of Jesus here, you've just opened wide this access to you that we never had before. A personal, direct connection to the ultimate, only resource God of the whole universe. We're blown away and God, we just say thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for allowing us this privilege to draw close to you. And then for this all the time, anywhere, personal connection to be everything, God, you are for everything that we are not. We're just so blessed. Help us to be people of sincerity, confidence, and purity in everything we say and do with you. May we connect. We love you, God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all of you space said, amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon, folks.